Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and down. The pass to Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three things. 22 to Raja. It's the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Happy Friday. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We got a full jam-packed episode. Scott Pollard is going to join us. Former NBA guy, Kansas guy, is going to hit us on all topics we need to get to. We're going to do a little Sweet 16 recap, my Knowles, do some NBA. But do you know? Do you guys know I almost didn't make it to the pod this I was morning, going to right? say, why don't you start off by telling everyone where you're at, Danny? <laughs> so I am in South Beach, and I kicked off Ultra, which is what – so what? Ultra is a music festival. It's all weekend long. South Beach is insane, by the way. Like the prices are off the chart. The traffic's off the chart. But I kicked it off. Like, I was the launch party with Diplo last night. Like, he was DJing a private party, very exclusive. Are you and a Diplo we fan? Late. It was a late, late night. Hannah knows it was late, right? Um, Danny texted the group chat, the podcast group chat, at 11.50 <laughs> p.m. Saying, wait, hold on. I got to read it. <laughs> got read it. He it goes, was late. He goes, it's 50-50 if I'm up for the pod. If not, Raja can hold it down. <laughs> Raja was already asleep at 11.50. I'd been asleep for an hour. I know, but it made me laugh because at, at 11.50 p.m., Danny, that's when I'm normally making my way down to Miami to go out. And you were <laughs> yeah. calling it. I remember those days. I remember those days. Midnight is a big accomplishment. But you guys should be proud of me. You guys should be proud I that am. I was out that late. Uh, yeah, I posted some obnoxious stories on Instagram, too, oh, that were pretty bad. Oh, I got to check I haven't yeah, been there, there yet. Were, there were a few cocktails that were taken back. <laughs> So it's it was a, good a good night one. for you, FSU and Diplo. Oh, we, I was celebrating. I was celebrating <laughs> all of about 20 minutes until after the game was over oh, and then no. I was done. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, there Seminoles. it is. Seminoles. Yeah. Guys, we hey, got to get pumped for you, tonight's games. Right, we don't even have time to talk about last night's. So I'm so stressed out about tonight. You're fully aware of what like that song, like what a cane would use that song for, correct? Like what a hurricane. Oh, I'm aware. You're I'm aware. Because I, I did uh, – I did college game day radio this past year. I was down there for the Notre Dame game, and yeah. I was down there at 6 a.m., and they were gr- greeting me with that. And I'm like, we're not even playing, you guys. And they gave the old, uh, you know, F the Seminoles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know oh, My childhood. Really? Yeah, yeah it's F you, Seminoles. Seminole. Oh, right, well, we're we're wow. going to get to the Florida State game. But the Cinderella story, as great a story as Florida State is, it's fun for me. The Cinderella story continues – with Loyola Chicago, and they they bounced Nevada 69-68. was a fantastic game, crazy finish. And it's all because of one sister, Jean. Well, I already told them as they came off the court, great game. And they said, one of them said to me, Clayton said, we broke your bracket, Sister Jean. I said, I don't care that you broke my back bracket. I'm ready for the next one. So, she, so Sister Jean is all the rage, but... She doesn't even she she bounced them in the I think she had them beating Miami and then I think that was it I think she like she didn't have that much faith like, she had them she out really, last night oh she did yeah yeah okay cool so she she is she but it's funny how like she's taken by storm like I I think you ask college basketball fans who they can name on Loyola Chicago it's probably zero players Sister but Jean. they can name her like off the bat like she's on That's Sports true. Center she's on our show like everyone is leading with her but. How impressive is it, though, Raja, for you to see what Loyola is doing? I feel like they were misseeded at 11. I feel like they were a better team than that. But still, to get this far, and I get some of it's the luck of the draw, and Nevada's not the strongest win. But it's still, it's going to be a run that these guys remember. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's pretty fantastic what they're doing. They've won three games by four points, I believe. Um, that's, I mean, that's really hard to do in a, in a tournament. Um, you know, you don't know these teams. You haven't seen them. You know, they're not conference foes where, where you kind of know what they do inside and out. And so you're kind of, you know, preparing on the fly, kind of, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, if you will. And to boot, like, I think just about every time they line up, and, and this is not, I'm not trying to throw any shade at, at uh, Loyola. Like, it's a testament to Loyola. They're usually outmanned. Like, from, an, from mm. the other team's perspective, they're usually, like, less talented than the other team. And so, you know, last night when I watched with Caleb and, 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 and Cody Martin, like those are two pro style players. And Nevada had multiple pros, uh, coach Musselman over there, like they were running pro sets. They just physically looked, um, like, like they were out man. And the stuff that some of the kids from, from Nevada was doing, like when you're, 
watching that with a professional eye, you're like, man, those those kids, like, they're better players all all around than than the Loyola kids. Loyola's got some tough kids. They made some plays. They're very disciplined. They defend the heck out of you. But when you just watch like pro skill sets or skill sets, you were like, you know, that they look different. You know, like it's a different mm-hmm. style of ball. But um, they get it done, and it's a testament to like, you know, when you watch teams play. Um, and they execute the heck out of their stuff and they've all bought into what their coach is preaching and the culture that, 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 um, you know, that the university or the organization is preaching and it's 100% buy-in from all of those kids. And, uh, their run is just a testament to what you can do when you get that across the board from your team. So we talked a little bit about strategy when Houston and Michigan were playing and they didn't defend the inbounds pass and Michigan hit the big shot. So last night Loyola was up one with 30 seconds, 36 seconds. I would have extended. You would, you would have. I would have extended. I thought, I thought Musselman in that situation, and again, I don't want to second guess, but what it looked like was, it, that's what you do in a pro game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you, you used to have timeouts. They've even changed it now in the pro game where I think you only get two timeouts, um, in the last couple minutes. So you can't just keep calling timeouts and advancing the ball. Uh, shot clock would have been at about six, I think it was. Yeah. You don't roll the dice on that with college players. You still got to advance the ball. You you don't get to bring it in at half court if you burn a timeout. So they got to get it up court, get a quality look. I thought he should have extended the game there. I thought pro coaches would let that run out and play it like that. Mm-hmm. Um college coaches, I think you have to extend that game. All right. Uh so all right, so they move so Loyola continues their run. Uh they're going to face Kansas State cuz Kansas State went up, they beat Kentucky. Kentucky was a trendy team that people were jumping on the bandwagon. And they were up and down all year. Yes, they were talented, but they were very inexperienced. And I thought it was interesting because uh, Coach Cal was talking about it before the game, and he was talking about just what I was saying. Everybody was buying into Kentucky, and he's like, I hope my players aren't le- uh, listening. And he pulled a page from Nick Saban's playbook and said, you know, I hope they're not drinking the poison. If they don't, we'll be fine. I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I don't think his players got into it. I just think they kind of showed what they were all year. I also think Kansas State's a pretty good squad. Yeah, I – you know, I think that this was a pretty disappointing. This was a really big, a big deal for Kentucky in terms of, you know, what they could have done. Um, oh, they, yeah, it, they got yeah, gifted it's, the road. It's, to the it's final why four. it was wide open. Now, I'm not saying that this is their most deserving team to get to the Final Four, but it was it was pretty wide open um, if they had just got through Kansas State. And I'm going to disagree a little bit because I don't think Kansas State's that good. Like, I think they're okay. I don't think they're great. I mean, I think they they're better than okay, but I don't think they're 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 a a heavyweight team, if you will. Um, Kentucky just, you know, that formula of get the young, um, one and done guy, have them gel throughout the year, develop their skill set, um, so that, so that they're, they're performing well in March is great, provided you hit on the one and done guys. And I feel like this year, his one and done, like McDonald's all Americans aren't as good as they've been in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you were talking mm-hmm. about like, I mean, Anthony Davis, uh, John Wall, who yeah. else? Um, uh, what's the kid at, at Devin Cousins. Booker, DeMarcus yeah. Cousins, like the names like that. And then, you know, when you watch last night, like Kevin Knox is all right, but he'll, he'll be a pro one day, but not, not, not anybody who's going to light the world on fire right now. And, and the kid, what's his name? Jill, what was the kid's name? I can't even Gilgis pronounce it. Gil just Alexander. Like those are all right players, but they're not, you know, they're not take the nation by storm. I'm a first, I'm a lottery pick type of player. And, you know, that, that showed last night. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. what they shoot? They, th- they shot 38% from the field. They lost to a team that shot 35% from the field. I thought, I thought it showed their youth. Um, and if you're not going to have the, the freshman that is a first round, like lottery pick securely, then you have to have some veteran leadership. And they didn't, they don't have either one of those. And I thought, you know, that that's, that the game last night kind of proved that it, it bore that out. Yeah, no doubt about it. So they get bounced. So the Elite Eight matchup to get to the Final Four, this is nuts. Kansas State is a one-point favorite over Loyola. You think Kansas State is trash, basically. You just told me. Who do you like? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, who do you like? Do you think Kansas State will – do you think the, this, the Loyola Cinderella run will end, or do you like Kansas State? I, look, I – I'm kind of going with the ma- – I'm going with the magic. I think Sister I, Jean's got the direct line to upstairs. Hey, I hear you, bro. I, I, I'll go with you. I will because I, again, I don't, I don't think Kansas State is fantastic. Um, part of me thinks that, that the, the slippers are going to, you know, disappear yeah. on them at some point, but they're solid, man. Like, I don't mean to take anything away from them. I don't think they've got pros littered across like their, their roster, but they, 
They certainly execute the hell out of their stuff, and they're tough. Uh, they make big shots, and they defend. So I, I, I'll go with you. All right, let's move out to the, to the West region where it was late, but my nose came up big, and I was dying because I was at this Diplo concert, and I couldn't actually physically watch the game. But I was pulling it up, and I kept on you know, doing the update, update, update on the scores. And when they were up by nine at half, I'm like, what's going on? Like, they must be playing really well. I, but I also feel, and then they, they pretty much, you know, kind of ran away with it. They were in control of the game. You know, Gonzaga cut it to four or five kind of late, you know, with seven or eight minutes left. But Florida State just continued to take every punch that they took. This is where I feel like the NCAA tournament, as much fun as it is to watch, that, and I, I like Debo's note on the, on our podcast rundown, because he says FSU defense holds Zags to just 34% shooting. 25% from three and they force 13 turnovers. But I also think there's something where if you get a team who gets an off night, like they're screwed because it's one and it's one game and you're out. Like the, the best team doesn't always win. And if you can get hot at the right time and carry some momentum and get some belief in yourself, you can have a run like Florida State is having. So that's there in the Elite Eight for the first time since 93 when I was there. I remember watching that team. I was a sophomore. And my boy Charlie Ward was playing, you know, guard, and Bob Sura was lighting it up from all over. Never saw a shot that he didn't like. <laughs> Sam Cassell was playing as well. Rodney Dobart, like they had some studs, and it was an exciting time. But I can't believe it's been that long. I was looking, like, I was like, are you we sure they didn't get one other run? But it was insane, and it's gonna be a ton of fun. And Tallahassee's going nuts. But I just, I, I look at it, and I'm like, hey, why not? Why not us? That's their motto. Yeah, I, I think you know they believe that. Um... I'm I'm happy for Coach Hamilton. I mean, he de- he deserves it. He's been grinding for a long time. Um, big big um, what do you call it? Bonuses for him winning for winning playoff. I mean, uh, yeah, tournament games. So that's cool. But uh, you hit the nail on the head. Like in 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 a sweet sixteen tournament, one and done. Any kind of tournament, like NCAA tournament, yeah. any tournament. The best team doesn't always win. It's the hottest team. It's the team that that um, navigates the minefield the best in terms of having a poor shooting performance. What what I'll say about last night though is. Like Gonzaga, I don't know how much it was them just having an off night as much as it was Florida State like defending the heck out of them. Like yeah. Florida State, I didn't realize how big they were. They start a seven four center from Chad. They come yeah. off the bench with another seven footer. Um, then they come in with like six ten and six eight. They had nine blocks last night. They are a really really big team. And when you have seven four behind you, um, as a guard or a wing player, it allows you to completely crowd whoever it is that has the ball on the perimeter, because there's no fear of what he may do if he beats you off the bounce. Um, because you know, you've got that ultimate like eraser behind you, which is seven, four, seven, one, you know, when you don't have rim protection, uh, it kind of makes you pause as a defender because you don't want to get beat. You know, if you get beat off the bounce, the probability of him getting to the hoop and laying it up is pretty high. Um, so, with with that security blanket, and they've got multiple ones at Florida State, it allows all those long, rangy, athletic defenders to climb all the way up into the saddle defensively and just pressure the heck out of the ball. Um, and and as an offensive player, space is your friend. Like when people take your space away, it speeds up like your processing. It speeds up your decision making, and all of that like fractionally sped up causes mistakes. And so you know, I thought you saw Florida State team last night just completely take Gonzaga out of what they like to do um, and and really get under their skin, get up underneath them, force them to the basket, and then those guys were erasing shots. So the other game last night that was in the team that Florida State's going to face is Michigan. Michigan, this was a shocker to me because I like Texas A&M, and this is sort of in college basketball all season long, right? You saw Texas A&M blow out North Carolina. I thought they looked like a really good, long team. And then they go out and get blasted by Michigan. So – I, I think Michigan now with Kentucky, who was the third favorite uh, to go in to win the tournament behind uh, Villanova and Duke, I think Michigan's got as good a chance to anyone to win it. Yeah, Michigan looks really good. They're a top 20 defensive efficiency team. Um, Coach Beeline is just, he's, he's really good. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's really, really good. Um, they were interesting. It looked like a, a bad matchup for Texas A&M. And I think it speaks to like when you're talking about the tournament format, when it's one and done. You know, if you could come out and catch somebody sleepwalking and you're ready to go and you hit them in the mouth early, even if you're evenly matched, typically the team that, that 
hit gets hit in the mouth is is going to be in trouble. Like because you know the clock starts wearing on you. If you can get up by 15 or something like that. Now obviously there've been a lot of comebacks in this tournament so that's not always true to form, but you want to come out and you want to hit first. And I felt like Michigan came out and popped Texas A&M in the mouth. And then Texas A&M is big and long, but they don't look super athletic. Uh and Michigan just looked like they had a bunch a bunch of guys that could do stuff off the bounce. Texas A&M didn't really appear to have those guys that could beat their man off the dribble like Michigan did. So uh, I think two things. Number one, they came out, they were the more focused, more more ready to play team. And I, I really, Coach Beeline's a great coach. So I, I think Michigan, I think you're right. Uh, Michigan's got good as chances as anybody. It's going to be really interesting to see those two teams go up because, like, again, Florida State is big and strong and and they'll get up and defend the heck out of you too. So that that should be a knockdown drag out kind of game. Do you guys I'm think rolling. that? Go so, ahead. Sorry. Do you guys think that anyone had the bracket right? I was thinking that this morning. <laughs> like who? Because I saw that somebody tweeted it. Like no way. Oh, if you had your bracket right, you're just lying. There's like, no you're way. Completely lying. No, no one had it. It There's was no. bounced like after we, the first game. Like no one has them right. It yeah. always it's a it's a farce. No one will ever get it right. No, like, like not one person in the world. Are insane. <laughs> it's you, you won't. No one will. Like, it just won't happen. Like, Warren Buffett does the billion-dollar bracket challenge, which is a genius marketing thing because that billion dollars is as safe as bet as anything. No one's ever going to see it because um, they're completely blown up. All right, so I'm going to take the Knowles. It sounds – Roger, you like Michigan or you like Florida State moving on to the Final Four? I'm going to take Florida State, bro. I'm going to ride with the Seminoles. Yeah. All right, I think you're doing some Jedi yeah. mind tricks to get that hurricane <laughs> blood inside of you, but we'll see. It should be fun though. And if they go, I'm going to be obnoxious next week if they do win and get to the final four. If I'm not obnoxious enough already. All right. So tonight's games, we got Clemson versus camps, uh, Kansas. We're going to talk about that with Scott Pollard because he played there and he knows it pretty good, but Hannah should be fired up. Syracuse versus Duke. Uh, what do you think Syracuse has to do to keep it close? Because I think Duke is really everything. playing well. They have to do everything. <laughs> if you look at the past, the, like the last time we played Duke, it's so embarrassing. It's what, bad. Was it bad? Yeah. No, it was bad. I, mm, I hope Jim Beheim prepped them well. Syracuse has to make shots. They got to yep. make shots. The, the, the zone, look, they're going to have to – the zone is going to do what the zone does. They've got to rebound out of that zone because – Duke can beat you up on the glass with Marvin Bagley the third and um what's the other kid's name? I forget his name. He's a freshman too. He's a little bit he's bigger than Marvin Bagley. Yeah, Wendell Carter. Yeah, yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. They'll they'll go after the boards and sometimes it's really hard to rebound out of a zone because you're not matched up, so you can't get a body on a guy. Um those long rebounds pop out and, and that can be challenging. So they've got to make shots and they've got to rebound. Um I look, I don't see it. Obviously, I think Duke is a better team. Obviously, you know, the, the, right. the record speaks to that. The, the seeding speaks to that. Bye. Right. <laughs> but Syracuse and Bayheim in the tournament, like it's hard to bet against them. And, and, you know, the zone, I think Duke is better prepared to play against the zone than a lot of teams because Duke plays a lot of zone. So they mm-hmm. practice against a lot of zone. Um, if you're a team that only plays man to man and that's all you practice against, for a whole year, it's unrealistic to think that like five days worth of zone work offensively is going to get you prepared enough to play against Syracuse. But Duke probably works zone offense every day in practice because they play a lot of zone defensively. So I think Duke will be all right. All right, let's roll quickly through the other two games. What about West Virginia versus Villanova? You got a feel there? Villanova. Uh, West Virginia's yeah. – no, they're good. They got good guards too. West yeah. Virginia's got good guards. They get up. They pressure. Um, but I think – Villanova, a team like that that's, that's got vets that have been there. Uh, they've won championships. I think they handle that pressure. I think they're poised enough. I think they'll win. Well, what about Texas Tech versus Purdue? They got Isaac Haas. He's trying to get some brace figured out where he can play with it on them, but it's been a struggle for them. They're losing their rim protector. Do you think Purdue can get past from Texas Tech? I don't know those teams that well, man, but I, anytime you lose a guy that's that important to you, it could be trouble. So I'm going to go with Texas Tech just because I don't know well enough. Here's what's happening with Hannah. We begin with the Corrales Puticana Resort and Club Championship because non-professional golfer Tony Romo made his PGA Tour debut there. Shooting a 5 over 77, he was even through the front nine. But in typical Tony Romo fashion, he choked late. As another former (laughs) NFL quarterback turned broadcaster, Danny, you think you could beat him on the links? I, he's, he's a really good player. I would not, especially not when I'm on my back issues. You guys see me walking around like an 85 year old man. He's pretty good, but it's a, it's, it's pure, I mean, it's great. Like it's great for CBS. It's great for golf, but he has no chance, like no <laughs> chance to, to even advance in rounds. I'm just impressed that he finished the round. He's a really good golfer, but it's a whole nother level to think he can compete on the PGA tour. I don't think he thinks he can. 
I think if you can't, it's like Russell Wilson going to camp with uh, spring training with the New York Yankees. Like if you could do it, I would do it. But it doesn't mean he's going to be in Major League Baseball, and it's the same with Romo. It doesn't mean he's going to be uh, in the next in, in the PGA Tour. My man Danny Cannell will whoop that ass, Tony Romo. <laughs> there we go. Steph Curry Steve, did it last year. Save that drop. Save that drop. All right, sneaker talk. When Steph Curry returns to the court from ankle injury, he'll be wearing his Under Armour Curry 5 low tops. Steph's quote sounds like a marketing pitch. He says, quote, it's kind of ironic that I made the switch this season considering my ankle issues, but the shoe is stable and engineered to maximize my performance. Curry expected to return Friday night versus the Hawks after a six-game absence. That's interesting. Um, my first thought was, since my boys like really love the Steph Currys, the high top version is really tight around the ankle. It's got this like sleeve type of thing and they can barely get their foot in them. They're really, really narrow. Um, so like they gotta like almost break uh, the shoe to get them on. So with the ankle problems, I'm imagining he wears pretty big braces. So maybe this is just a way of him like being able to accommodate the braces because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. 140 to 79. No, that's not a UConn women's basketball final. It's the NBA and it's what the Hornets did to the Grizzlies last night. Kemba Walker pours in 46 points in just three quarters of action as Charlotte put together the sixth largest win in NBA history, 61 points. They shouldn't get their paychecks. <laughs> that's all I mean. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. I don't even know what to say. What do you, what do you, what do you, you lost my 60. Yep. What do you say to that? Don't give them their, don't give them, pay, don't get them paid. Right. <laughs> And Fernie Simons, the number seven basketball recruit in the 2018 class, according to 24-7 Sports, has decided to forego college eligibility and declare for the NBA draft. He's eligible for the draft because he will turn 19 in June and will be one year removed from his high school graduation. Simons spent the past season at IMG Academy in Florida. Hey, I hear that. Why? Look, you know, you guys know where I stand. If you're ready yep. to go, you're going to be a lottery pick or just outside the lottery, and it's guaranteed millions of dollars, go. Um, there's no, there's really no need to fake it and go to, go to college basketball for a year. Your heart's not in it. You're wasting, you're wasting everybody's time. Like, just go. Busy Thursday of NFL moves. Jason Pierre Paul dealt to the Bucks. Jets agree to contract with Terrell Pryor. Mike Wallace to the Eagles. And ageless running back Frank Gore headed to hometown Dolphins. Danny, anything stand out there? I love Frank Gore coming back to Miami. That's fantastic. And then I also the JPP move, moving him out of New York, it does feel like the Giants are doing a pretty good job building around Eli, but like clearing space. They're switching their defensive scheme to a 3-4. Dave Gettleman, the GM, is making – he's shaking things up. But I think the next move to watch is does he do anything with Odell Beckham Jr.? Does he extend him? Does he move him? Because I think he's one of the most polarizing players in football and most talented but I'm curious to see if he continues this shakeup and see if it goes. I just want to see Odell Beckham Jr. dance more. Do you guys see him in Sterling <laughs> Shepard and Chanel Iman's wedding? No. Oh, this? yeah. He's always dancing. He killed he it. Stop. Okay, yeah. sorry. Oh, he's got some moves. He can get out there and do it. All right, we teased him off the top. We're pumped up to have Scott Pollard joining the show. He's going to help us break down a little NBA, little brackets. But first of all, we have to start. Because you played at Kansas, Kansas plays a really tough Clemson squad. What do you think they have to do to get past them? The same thing we've been doing. Uh, Devontae has to be great. Um, we, we have to shoot well from the three-point line. We cannot possibly rely on our big guys. Doke is banged up. Yudoka is banged up. Uh, DeSilsa has been playing admirably, considering he was still playing in, at his high school team in, in December of this year, this season. Um, but our, our, our big kids are, are kids, and uh, they're not really reliable, so... We've got to shoot well from the three-point line. It seems elementary, but that's been the biggest staple of our our, our season this year. If, if we shoot well from the three-point line, we got a chance. If we don't, uh, it's going to be it's going to be really tough to beat Clemson. Right, so, talk to me. Like, I never got to go to a to an NCAA tournament, Scott. You've been to a, a bunch, obviously. Like, does the focus shift at all uh, from going regular season to the tournament? Um, how hard is that? And then number two, as you advance round to round and you get that break. Uh, between the 32 and the Sweet 16, how hard is that to stay focused, stay poised, and, and not get too excited for the moment? <laughs> you answered my question. I, I played for Roy Williams, uh, the head coach of North Carolina now. He was my head coach at Kansas. And uh, we were in the Sweet 16 all four of my years. We got to the final eight once. And uh, it, it is absolutely exhilarating to get past the conference tournament, which is uh, – it's just a moneymaker. The, the conference tournament, you, you either win the regular season or you don't, but then you have a conference tournament that's just to make money for the conference because 
what, what's the big deal? I already proved during the season whether we're the best team in the league or we're not. Uh, and then you got to go play three more games sometimes uh, to, to try to win the, the conference tournament. So uh, there's that, and that's a, like a speed bump in the way of, of the big dance. Uh, and then you finally get to the dance, and you're just you're through the moon. And, and Roy was a heck of a motivator. Uh, I was always ready to just rip the floor up off the ground uh, every time we were about to play. And uh, so the, the first two games, it's, it's really a matter of trying to calm down that first weekend and not be too excited. Uh, and then going into the Sweet 16, it, it was hard not to. I mean, Roy would practice us, but he wouldn't really run us. You know, you don't want to get the thoroughbreds all tired out right before you use the big race. So um, I think, if anything, we probably should have practiced harder. <laughs> uh, or maybe I should have just run more. Uh, to get off some of that nervous energy because <clears throat> leading into my senior year, uh, we were ranked number one from start to finish. We got to the tournament, and an Arizona team who wasn't very good during the regular season in the Pac-10 at the time, now it's Pac-12, uh, they they came in, and, and they just caught fire in the tournament. They won six games in a row, and I played with Mike Bibby in the uh, in the NBA for five, uh, let's see, three seasons out in Sacramento, and great teammate, but they killed us. Then uh, They just got hot at the right time, and I think it – Partly it was well. I was a big part of the reason we lost. I think I, I, I was in foul trouble early, uh, which was common throughout my whole career. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I think I got four fouls with about 19 minutes to go in the second half. So I watched most of the second half, and I watched Arizona beat up on us, uh, and and uh, we made a good comeback and almost got a, a tie, to, tying three pointer to send it into overtime. Not that I remember this or anything. Right, right. <laughs> so it's only been 21 years. It's like it was yesterday. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's funny that you were. Do you, do you feel like you think about that more than being an NBA champion? Because I think it's a fascinating aspect of like the way you remember things. Like I rem- like I still get bothered by a, a high school you know state championship game more so than I enjoy winning a national championship at Florida State. Like do you do you feel a similar way or do you feel pretty good about your ring that you've got? Um. Both, but I, I absolutely remember my high school, uh, not my my sophomore and junior year so much in San Diego, but in, in high school, I moved to the state of Washington for my senior year, and the team I happened to be moving into uh, had just been in the state playoffs and, and gone really deep, and then we were picked to win it all. And, and yeah, there's, there's so many memories from that team, and I only lived there for like eight months. So, yeah, there, there's, there's that. And then um, – you know, losing to Arizona when, you know, I had just been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I mean, me, I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and then we go and choke against Arizona, and we don't win. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot there uh, that, that I remember. and it's. But as you guys know, you get to choose where you go to high school or college. You get to choose that. In the, in the pros, you don't go, hey, I want to play for this team. Unless you're, say, Kobe Bryant and Charlotte drafts you, and you go, nah, I'm going to L.A. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for, for the rest of us, uh, you don't get to choose which team you get to play for. So I think it does mean a whole lot more when it's I chose to go to this high school or, or I was growing up and I have those memories or I chose to go to this college and, and that's who I wanted to play for and that was who I wanted to play with. Uh, and, and so when you have that control, there's a lot more emotional attachment. As a pro, again, as you guys well know, you, you get traded around, you're a pork belly, you know, the billionaires are like, oh, I like this one this month, but I don't like that one this month, you know, and, and you just got to go and wherever you get traded to or wherever you're able to, to find that you think is a good fit, but rarely do professional athletes get to choose and have that emotional bond with a franchise and a city uh, and get to stay there as long as they want to. You get cut, you get traded, you get your body breaks down, whatever it is. So uh, as, as much as I love my championship ring, I've been very vocal about the fact that I wear that championship ring for all the teams. Like, for example, when I played for Sacramento, I wanted to be there. I re-signed with Sacramento, but then they still traded me. Um, but I wear my championship ring for all the teams I was on, dating back to high school that were coulda, woulda, shouldas, uh, and, and didn't get that ultimate goal of, of a world championship or a high school state championship or an uh, NCAA national championship. So uh, I feel very fortunate to have always been on really good teams, but my rookie year in Detroit was the only year I didn't play in the postseason dating back to high school. Uh, so I was always part of good teams, and I felt lucky, uh, but at the same time, a tremendous amount of disappointment and a lot of memories, like I just described with that Arizona loss. Um, but 
then there's also that exhilaration of the of getting the ultimate goal of, of winning a championship. So the Boston Celtics, Paul Pierce really won me that ring. So thanks, Paul. <laughs> Paul Paul's <laughs> a great guy. Hey, so yeah, the, the, those are some pretty dope teams, and you were blessed to play on some some really good teams. And so my question would be, which one of those was the best team not to win a championship? Ninety-seven Jayhawks, the O two Kings, the O four Pacers, or the O seven Cavs? Or is there a team I'm I'm forgetting? No, the, those are all. Those are all the ones. Um, gosh, uh, I have to go back to college. I, I, again, I chose to be there. Um, I, I wanted to be the first, one of the first guys that helped Roy get a championship because no one wants to win more than Roy Williams. Um, and so I, I, I love those guys. You know, there, there's that bond that you get with college players that, that uh, we came close to, to that type of bond in, in Sacramento, that O2 team. Um, gosh, uh, it's got to be a tie between those two. The Pacers, I, I was a piece that threw in uh, that, that I wasn't as big of a part because of injury uh, of that team. And, and uh, with the, the Cavs, yeah, I didn't play as much. I was healthy finally, but I, I didn't play as much. But I, I got to go with a tie between the 97 Arizona, uh, the, well, the loss to the Arizona, the 97 Jayhawks, and uh, the O2 Kings, because both of those uh, teams, we had a, a brotherly love uh, that uh, carried on past that, that team. All right, so you played 11 years in the league. You were on Survivor. Like, you seem like a bit of a renaissance man, which I like, a little bit of everything. And now you're into podcasting, where you've got your Planet Pollard podcast, which everyone can find at the Pros Club on Twitter, at the Pros Club. What types of stuff are you talking about on the pod? It's uh, it, it's Planet Pollard. It's kind of whatever we want to do. I've I've uh, I've done suburb dad drinking wine, and <laughs> talking stuff, uh, 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 where I just have a buddy over and we start talking about the wine, or uh, we've done a tequila tasting. Um, I I've interviewed people from Survivor, uh, and and but really what it is is I, I tell stories that people don't know. You know, you guys, uh, I'm sure you've heard the same things I've heard from your small circle of friends where they're like, man, these stories are ridiculous. You should tell these to everybody else. Cause people like us that, that just, you know, you get to play in the, uh, in the professional leagues for a while, you get, you have stories and you have access to, you know, whatever it is, you get to meet people or celebrities or billionaires or whatever it is. And to us, it's just our life. And, and you kind of sometimes not that you get caught up in it, like it's an ego thing, but just that you, you don't exactly remember all of the details of how unique that is and then you start telling one of these stories to your friends and they're like you need to like share this that is hilarious or it's amazing or whatever and so that's kind of what Pollard, Planet Pollard podcast is then is me kind of just telling the behind the scenes stories uh, with whoever I'm on with uh, whether it's Survivor um, I'm doing one I'm going to do one with my wife actually uh, where she kind of tells what happened while I'm gone, you know, that, that people don't realize you're gone for almost seven weeks on Survivor. So some of the family stories. And that's that's basically what Planet Pollard Podcast is. is uh, I tell some terrible jokes. Uh, I cuss a little bit and uh, tell some stories that people, you know, may, may not know or usually don't know about uh, what it was like to be a Kansas Jayhawk or what it was like to be a Sacramento King or, or, or what it was like to be on Survivor and, and some of the stuff that you didn't see on TV. And so we have a lot of fun with it. We're, uh, I think we're 13 or 14 episodes in, and, and uh, I, I think it's going so pretty well so far. So, Scott, look, it's along the lines of those stories, because this has always fascinated me, I picked Jamal Tinsley's brain a little bit about it um, when he was in Utah with me. The night that the malice in the palace went down, like, I don't, I don't really want to know. Everybody's seen the video. But what what led up to that? I, I find it hard to believe that that just sparked like an ember, like something had to lead up. What was the mood that night? Did you did you have? Was there any exchange between the teams and the in the hallway or before the court? Like there had to be something leading up to that, or or was it just an ember in the wind? Well, that, yeah, it was an ember, and the ember was Ron Artest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, there there were nights uh, and days in practice and in games where you just knew something was going to happen with Ron. And uh, this, this man, his, his desire to win got in the way of, of sound judgment. And that it was the thing that I loved about him. Uh, it's not that he's gone. I love about him and hated about him uh, as a teammate because it, it, 
there, there were times where he would disconnect and you could see it and you're like, well, all right, well, I guess we're not going to win today or we're not going to finish practice today or he's going to get kicked out of practice today because you could just tell that Ron Ron was, was going to do something. Uh, but he had been fighting with uh, Ben Wallace a little bit during the game. Not a whole lot, but just you could tell. And it escalated in all of us. It wasn't just them. Uh, but there was other players that were getting into it. I think Jermaine and, and uh, Ben Wallace were getting into it a little bit. And then it was a it was kind of a bad call on Ron Artest, and he did something that was incredibly passive-aggressive. And he went and laid down on the scorer's table. Well, obviously, in Detroit, people didn't like that. Oh, you got a bad call, crybaby. And he went and laid down right in the middle of the arena on the scorer's table at center court. Well, of course, that pissed off the fans. One of them threw a beer at him, and then Ronnie went Ronnie. Um, you know, it's like when people get into a tiger cage and the tiger eats them. That tiger didn't go crazy, like Chris Rock said. That tiger went tiger. Well, <laughs> don't throw a beer can at Ron or Tess and expect not to get your ass kicked. So he went up there and unfortunately started beating up the wrong guy, and then Steven Jackson and, you know, the melee ensued. But, but yeah, there was an ember. <laughs> That's my long answer to your short question. <laughs> and, and uh, the under was Ron Ron, and, and uh, I don't blame him by any means. It's a team thing. I, it wasn't just his fault, but that was the spark um, that lit it. But my biggest memory of that, I just want to say this really quick, my biggest memory of that night, among all of them, there's two that I have. Uh, one of them is that Jermaine O'Neal almost killed a man, and that man is lucky to be alive because there was something on the ground, whether it was beer or soda or whatever. Uh, but that's the only reason this man is alive, because Jermaine O'Neal uh, is a large human like myself, and uh, there's a reason there's weight classes in boxing, uh, because when you're over 250 pounds, one haymaker can end a person. And this guy came running down out of the stands, and, and you could see it in his face. You know, He's like, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. And then as soon as he gets down to floor level with us, he looks up, and I happen to be right there standing next to Jermaine. And you could see it in his face. Oh, my, they're a lot bigger in person. But he still didn't want to back down. So he's like, put up his dukes, like, whatever. Like, what are you going to do? And Jermaine just pulls back with just a haymaker, and he's going to end this man. Like, this isn't like, I'm going to scare him. This is, you're going to die. And luckily for this guy, Jermaine slipped. And probably lucky for Jermaine's pocketbook. Um, But Jermaine slipped on whatever and still missed him. But he still hit him right on the shoulder. Instead of hitting him on the chin, which could have, you know, just erased this man. Uh, he hit him on the shoulder and still knocked him straight on his butt. Uh, and the other one, there's, there's more of that, but the other memory is, is the one that I don't know that you guys heard. A lot of people have, some people haven't, uh, is after we get everybody in, this is a while, there's fights in the locker room, you know, not like fist fights, but there's coaches going at it with each other and with the players trying to calm everybody down. Well, we finally get calmed down after all this. It took a while, take a while. But we finally get in the locker room. The game's called. There's only like a minute left. They call the game. We get settled down in the locker room. Finally, finally get some quiet. And Ron Artes goes, y'all think we're going to get fined for this? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Scott, that 2008 yeah. team uh, still in the headlines. And yes, because of the 10-year anniversary, but mainly because of the drama involving Ray Allen. Where do you side in this ongoing battle here? <laughs> you know... I'm in a no-win situation. I had career-ending surgery in February of that season. Uh, I played until they wouldn't let me play anymore, uh, and they forced me to get surgery. So, um, you know, some people discount me as a member of that team. Some people, uh, you know, they say, oh, you didn't even play in the playoffs. Well, they just, because they weren't fans, they just Google, and they say, oh, he didn't play in the playoffs, so he must have sucked. They don't know the backstory. But, you know, I've, I've, I've seen some of the headlines where it's like, oh, the Celtics are getting together. The Celtics organization has never once uh, reached out to, to me anyway about a reunion. So uh, either they don't consider me part of the team, which I, can, I, I, I doubt that, uh, or it's just Rondo talking to some of the guys and saying, hey, do you want to go on vacation together or whatever? And it's turned into all this, this drama, uh, which obviously is good for headlines and all that. Uh, I really don't care if the Celtics were to say we're having a reunion, an official team reunion, and they were, like, bringing us all back. Yeah, I'm in. But um, I don't keep in touch with most of the players I, I played with, uh, uh, whether it's in college or, uh, or high school or the NBA, not because I don't want to. When we see each other, it's great. 
when I was in Boston last fall, I saw a couple of guys. We hugged it out. There's no animosity. It's just that I'm not going to take time out of my day to just go on vacation with a few of the team, guys from that team. Uh, with When it comes down to taking sides, I don't take sides like that because, again, I don't really care that much. Uh, but knowing each man individually and having been a teammate with them the same amount of time, uh, one season, uh, Ray was always much more mature, more classy. Uh, Rondo was more of a, a very shy, introverted, reactionary type character. Uh, so uh, on, a, on maturity level, 10 years away from having spoken to either one of them, really, <laughs> um, I would go with Ray because we're about the same age. Uh, and Rondo's a little younger, and I tend to trust maturity over uh, impulse. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I really don't care. Uh, it seems as though if I were to say, well, Rondo this and Rondo that, he'd probably fire back like he did with Ray. Well, he just wrote this book because he wants to use my name to get his book sold. Hmm. We're teammates. We're all each other's story. And so it's hard to tell your story unless you're involving some of your former teammates, right? Mm -hmm. So the, a mature person would say that, see that, and go, hey, Ray's not trying to make uh, money off of me. He's trying to make money off of his story, which includes me. So <laughs> there's a lot of different layers to it. My point is, ultimately, I'm outside looking in at this point. I don't talk to either one of them. I don't really care if there's a feud. Again, I would I love the memories of being on that team. I feel like I was part of that team. I know personally I pulled Rondo aside several times throughout that season to call him down because he was like, I'm leaving. I quit. Doc Rivers is riding me. That's not his voice. That's me doing a bad Rondo impression. <laughs> but, um, he, uh, he was, he was, he, he didn't handle Doc Rivers coaching very well. And there were times where I'd have to pull him aside and say, Hey, you know, he was a point guard. He's, he's a, a floor general and he sees things in you and he wants you to be better because he knows what he's talking about. He's not pulling Kevin Garnett aside to tell him to do stuff because he didn't play that spot. But he played your spot. He knows your spot pretty well, so maybe you should listen. And it kind of calmed it down sometimes. But, um, you know, again, I got long answers for short questions. <laughs> I love it. All right, so we're going to do rapid fire to finish it off. We're going to do our superlatives. We do it with everybody. We'll have some fun with them, all right? So who has – now, if you Google Scott Pollard and do images, you had some hair and you had some different looks. Like you had mohawks, you had bleach, you had – Long, you had everything. Who has the best hair in the NBA right now? Uh, Steven Adams. Nice. Do you ever regret the double ponytail look? No. I, I'm actually <laughs> growing it out right now to bring it back. Nice. If you had to pick one guy and you could put him on Survivor and you said he's going to win, an NBA guy, who would it be? Jeez. Current or anybody? Anybody. Anybody all time. I have to go with our era. I have to go with Steve Nash. He's crafty. He's smart. He'd probably catch people off guard. He's not freakishly huge, so he might be able to throw it off. Like, oh, I didn't, not, a, not an NBA player. Like, I had no choice. So I'm going to go with Steve Nash. All right. So uh, my podcast partners do not know this. But I actually sent in an audition video to Survivor, and I never heard back. Like somewhere there is a tape that exists of me trying to sell myself to Survivor, the Survivor no. crew. What did what? Yeah, it's out there. What did you do to get on? Like, how did that happen? Well, uh, apparently I am bigger and uglier and more tattooed than you. you <laughs> reached out to me. Oh, um, actually. That is a fact. I, I was actually in 2010, I was out there soaking my sorrows of a failed TV pilot I was trying to push out there uh, that my idea was stolen and changed sports and became ballers. Uh, but um, not bitter about that at all. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I was at, actually out and they approached me then. And um, true story, my, my personal life was not in a, uh, a, a place at that point in my life where I could leave for about seven weeks. Uh, and so I told the casting agent there, I was like, yeah, I can't leave for that long, but you know, maybe in the future, uh, because I was getting divorced. I got divorced. Uh, and then when they reached out to me again in 2014, I was married to a good person and <laughs> in a much better place in my personal life that I could leave. And I did so. And so it, it I, I got nothing for you. People are always like, Oh, how do you, what's your audition video? How'd you get in? They, they, they reached out to me and that happens a lot. 
if you look at this season, the Ghost Island season, it, it looks like there's no normal people. It looks <laughs> like they're all like handpicked models, or you know, there's no like normal folks at this this season. And and shockingly enough, I think it's actually pretty entertaining. I don't watch all of them, but this one, I'm, I'm kind of hooked on it. All right, so last question. What was more genuine, Paul Pierce's injury in the 2008 finals and him being taken off in wheelchair, or Kevin Garnett screaming, anything is possible after winning the title? <laughs> God, neither. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I'm going with D, none of the above. I love it. That's a perfect answer, too. All right, he is Scott Pollard. Thanks for coming on. Make sure you check out his podcast, Planet Pollard. You can find it at The Pros Club on Twitter. Scott, man, we really appreciate it. Good luck to Kansas tonight, too. All right. Hey, yeah, good. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast, guys. All right, let's finish up the Stroh Strong. It's Friday, so you know what time it is. Five-star Q&A. What? what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to say what, this do guy's that. name. Can you do that again? What? what? <laughs> that sounds just no, like when Danny said bye-bye-bye. <laughs> those are those lasers. Okay, anyways. Um, I don't know how to say this guy's name. Does Dazadi? I don't know. That's a Twitter handle. It all works. Sorry, bro. Uh, he says, "What sport do you feel like you two would be equal in?" That's a good one. Does Fortnite count? Fortnite. <laughs> I feel like that could be an answer. Right, Raj has got Danny. Smoke me. Yeah, he would smoke me now. Do you uh, play ping pong? I was going to say ping pong. I, or yeah. tennis. No you way. You played some junior tennis. I played some junior tennis. Tennis sounds good. Yeah, I mean, because like I, I still go out. I'll play with my dad. My dad plays in a group. You know, every morning I'll, I'll go out and play once in a blue moon. I'm I'm all right. I'm not great. But I do have a background, so that's, that's me. That yeah. sounds like me. Yeah, who do you it. got there? If they played yep. in tennis, who would you take? Myself. Put me in the game, <laughs> oh. coach. <laughs> Put me in the game, coach. <laughs> just nice. kidding. I don't know who I take. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't answer that. I feel like that's just rude. I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> um, from Ryan Stryker, who works here, Ryan, what are you doing? Okay, anyways. Shout out Ryan. When, yeah, shout he's out Ryan. He's giving us five star reviews. I'm sorry, he's giving us five star reviews. Thank you, Ryan. I don't King know gift. why I'm I don't know why I'm throwing King you under of the gifts. bus there. Uh when we are going wait, sorry, I can't read. When are we going to see the most anticipated Hannah versus Debo matchup on the court? <laughs> Guys, I've been avoiding this on purpose. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I said hundred K on the line. Uh, I might need some go. investors, oh, but right. I want to play. hundred K on the line. It's gotta happen. Right. Make it happen. Are you I feel out like you're a team. I feel like we need a team competition, like a team, like we need team bonding, team building experience. Like, you know, when they do these corporate retreats, you know what we should do, Danny, like you take one and train one for like a week. I'll take the other and train one for the, for the other week. (laughs) And then we just meet up. I'm untrainable. I got Debo. I I have fooled everyone. I'm so bad at basketball. That's that's a change up from a month ago. Yeah. You were talking cash. Yeah. Because I wanted to win and I won. And now, <laughs> now I have to admit the truth that I suck and I'm sorry. This is going to happen. I got you, Hannah. We're going to tighten that game up. Give me a week. We're going to tighten it right up. It's a miracle potion. Okay. CB Morning. He says, Raja, where's your go-to drop point in Fortnite? Oh. And have you gotten so close to first where you tell your kids or wife just one more because you're right there? I've gotten that close to first where, yes, and that happens. <laughs> it's almost a daily thing where I'm like, hold She's on, like, give me. dinner's ready. Yeah, you're like, like no, no, no. <laughs> we'll be fine. I got what we're good. Um, Yo, did you get, did you get my text the other day with the dude that's getting paid 500 grand a month to who play that? Fortnite? Ni- that was Ninja, right? Was it yeah. Ninja? Yeah. It was on CNBC. Crazy. The guy's talking about he gets paid by Twitch to go on there and people watch him play. That's what you need to do, that, man. You're dude, putting all this time in. Get that, some, get some sponsors out there. Yeah, right. That's all my son Dia needed to hear because I was sitting there with my wife when I showed it to her and he sway, <laughs> like that's all he wants is a YouTube a channel where he can where he can game and show people what he does and he and and it's like i'm fighting it with every fiber of my being but that's all i needed um <laughs> drop points depends if i'm playing squad or solo like if i'm playing solo i like to go to lonely um you get you grab the chest at the top of the tower there's another chest right outside the door then you hop down there's a chest in the little shed right there and then i like to run over to the racetrack where i can pick up a couple more chests on my way back into the storm because usually the storm's forming somewhere else um if i'm playing squad um, I need a little bit more loot because you can't share all that loot with four people. So I like to drop into Pleasant Park. Um, I'm not a tilted dude. There's too much going on in tilted. I'm not that I, quick on the like trigger. You lost me so, so hard. So Pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I can only talk about levels like that with Mario Kart. All right. Lonely and Pleasant <laughs> is the short answer. Lonely and Pleasant. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I don't know who this is from, but it says Allison and Debo. This is also CB Morning. Our guy. Oh, this is also CB Morning. All right. Um, my name is Hannah. Shout out Allison. <laughs> Allison. Shout out to your mystery woman, Allison. 
But anyways, I'm going to answer it like it's me. So it says, who in your top five actors or sportsmen is in your would totally date list? Huh. Oh. So I was Allison. trying to <laughs> – as well, Allison, as reaction there, huh? <laughs> um, I was trying to put together this list yesterday. You know, it was a very busy day. It was collaborative effort. <laughs> we were all talking about this. We were, and this is just like the hardest question ever. So here, here we go. I've got like seven, and I'm so sorry, but that's that's what Allison's going to give you. Um, Channing Tatum, because oh. he's goofy and he can he can break it down. Um, second is Sterling K. Brown, because I like his brain. Third is Eric Decker. He doesn't need to talk. He doesn't have a brain. He yeah. Fourth. <laughs> fourth is um, oh Joe, the guy who's married to Sophia Manganiello. Manganiello, because he's fine. Who's that? I'm sensing a theme. Joe Manganiello. Like the. Uh, I'm sensing a theme. Hold on. Hey, go five, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Five is Jimmy Butler, and because <laughs> I just think he's so cute. Or um, I also like. Uh, Dwayne Wade. Wow. Wow. Nice. Wow. And sometimes Secrets Jimmy Kimmel. Is that weird? Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel was interesting. I like, I like his brain too. There we go. Anyways, right. guys, there's there many go. brains in what's, that one. I'll hold tell on. You what's that. the theme? <laughs> All right. What's the theme? You said you sense a theme. I thought it was like dudes that are good looking, but not the smartest cats. What? Sterling K. Brown is. <laughs> no, he was the one, but there you got Channing Tatum, who's a bag of rocks. What? You got, How, have you met him? You can't say that. What? Channing Tatum is look at his wife he's made good decisions okay he's a smart guy Danny I know your wife might be around but I'm going to hit you with my list while you're still thinking of yours I okay. got Mila Kunis she's a good one uh, Zoe Kravitz Ooh. Ooh. potential future podcast guest Rachel Demita. what's up uh, Nicole Mazzascato and I'm going to take this opportunity I'm going to say Jubilee Sharp she lives in Fort Lauderdale Shut appeared on up. The Bachelor Holly on Twitter my number is six Jubilee is a local. <laughs> and I have, like, well I saw done. Jubilee once at a heat game, and I wanted to, like, I, she was too far in front of me. She was, like, on courtside. But I so badly wanted to be like, hey, Jubilee, you don't She's know great. me. Very misunderstood. I need great minds. You need to ask my great friend. How about Debo with the, how about Do- uh, Debo with the low key moves? The shout outs to yeah. a couple, couple options there. There you go. <laughs> Wait, I, who was the second to last person on your list? Uh, she's an Instagram actress model. Oh, so she's not real. She exists. She has over a million followers. That counts. Whatever. <laughs> well, well done. Good list. Good Anyone good else list. have a list? Very solid list. I don't have a list. You don't have a list? No, I, I, Just say your wife. Did you guys think of the time to prep? I don't have a, I don't Do have have a list? list either, but if I did, uh, my wife obviously would be number one. Like She's, she's number one. And there's not a close Amazing second. Amazing answer. But, but it would be Gail Godot, Jessica Biel, Jennifer Garner. Um, you who's the other type. one you talked about? Uh, Giselle would be on there. Giselle used to be higher. She's Jessica she's Alba. You said bit. too. Yeah, but then I met her, and so she's she's not she's hanging on by a thread if she's in there. So that's the five. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I didn't know I had to have a list. I thought that was like. Do you have? Anyone? Oh, and Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Oh, Halle Berry is like on my list. Like I'll just. She's so good looking. <laughs> yeah, Halle, yeah, Halle's tough. Um, All right, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna since it's Friday, we gotta run, but we're gonna let Raja come up with a list for next Friday. Like that's gonna be his homework for the week. Is Raja has to come up with you five. and your wife can five on a prep? Together. Yeah, we're good. No, I got this. Uh, I just need to, yeah, I need to just put uh, some thought into it. Good stuff. Good stuff on our five star Q and A. Great questions from our people. You know how to. You know the drill. Go on to iTunes. Leave us a five star review. Ask us anything you want. Our top fives. Uh, who Fortnite questions? You name it. We got you covered. All right. Thanks for checking us out. Have a great weekend. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. And good luck in your brackets.